coming up on This Week in Games. Nintendo's president steps down, everyone gets sued, and things are getting dark at Daybreak Games. This Week in Games. Welcome to This Week in Games. I'm Eric McConnell, and I'm here to break down all the game industry goodness this week. And we have a super jam-packed episode, so let's get on to it. Our biggest story of the week, Nintendo's president, Tatsumi Kimishima, steps down. So, Kimishima took over in 2015, and he steps down after a brief but extremely successful stint as president of the legendary game company. So, after the death of Satoru Iwata. He was probably the most beloved Nintendo president of all time. He suddenly died in 2015, and after his death, Kimishima was appointed to take on the burden of being Nintendo's president. And Nintendo was probably at its lowest point ever, with the Wii U um, kind of struggling in the market, not hitting sales. You know, people just didn't connect with the system at all. And since he's took over... He saw the launch of the Nintendo Switch and kind of drove that to the success that is today. So taking over from him will be Shuntaru Furukawa. He's 46. He's the director and managing executive officer of corporate planning. And he also heads up Nintendo's global marketing department. And on top of that, he's been with Nintendo for 24 years and has served as a director at the Pokemon Company since 2012. He's got all the qualifications. Um, honestly, Tatsumi Kimishima should have a statue at Nintendo right next to Iwata. It, I mean, in just three years, he turned the company completely around. The stock went way high since the Switch's success, and everyone's kind of clawing their way to try to get on the Switch outside of, you know, the regular uh, AAA suspects. So, good job. Um, enjoy your retirement, and hopefully... Furukawa can uh, keep driving Nintendo to success. Next up, this this one came out of nowhere. I didn't even know this was on the radar, and this shocked me surprisingly. Um, Campo Santo, developer of the indie hit Firewatch, got acquired by Valve. I don't know what happened. Um, so basically, Campo Santo released Firewatch, um, mostly made up of former Telltale guys, and Firewatch was a huge indie hit. It won a bunch of awards. They have an upcoming game, In the Valley of Gods, that will now be published as a Valve IP and Valve game. So Valve purchases them before they officially kind of announce and release In the Valley of Gods, and uh, I guess the game must be awesome for Valve to shell out that kind of money. Um, As far as, like, what's going on, so this seems to be Valve's mo now they find like these small scrappy developers that have acclaimed projects and they kind of just acquire them they bring their work to a massive audience i'm sure they get a giant payoff and so on and so on you know obviously they did this famously with the student team that eventually became portal they're doing it now here um they tried to do it with the left for dead studio people but they weren't successful in acquiring them 
and I think they've been in talks with a few other studios. The complaint is, though, that Valve has a massive amount of talent at their, you know, office, and they can't ship games anymore because, who knows, internal politics, maybe not letting everyone work on what they want to work on in that given day isn't good for shipping games on time. And Valve can't ship games and need to acquire talented teams that are about to ship a talented game and then use that kind of like to blow, use their resources and funds to blow up their games and kind of release them to the world and increase Valve's like kind of street cred for still being an awesome developer. It'll be interesting to see what happens within the Valley of the Gods in terms of scale and quality, or maybe in the Valley of the Gods we'll go in the way of in the Valley of Half-Life 3 and never see the light of day, but we'll have to see. So now we're going to change subject to this week in game lawsuits because it seems like pretty much everyone's either getting sued or being sued or suing each other these days. So let's kick it off. All right, EA, Activision, Blizzard, and Valve face criminal charges in Belgium due to Belgium gambling laws. So basically, loot boxes in FIFA 18, Overwatch, and CSGO violate gambling legislation, says the Belgium Gaming Commission. So the BGC director, Peter Nossens, noted that players of these games are tempted and misled to make these loot box purchases and that none of the protective measures guaranteed by the gambling laws have been applied in relation to these games. So I think they kind of just targeted these games because they're three of the biggest games, um, I guess, in Belgium. So violation of the gambling law is a criminal offense and Electronic Arts, Valve, and Activision Blizzard could each face 800,000 euro fine if offending loot boxes are not removed. So there's also a scope for a five years prison sentence, but these punishments can be doubled when minors are involved, so it could be even more. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to prison over this, but uh, I think they're just like ramping up the threats. But what really is going on is this is like, once again, I've said this many times, first blood in the loot box gambling fiasco. This is another first blood in uh, what's going to be the legal battle going on in many different countries all over the world in relation to gaming, gambling, and targeting minors with gambling practices through video games. And, you know, I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like the industry can self-regulate and snip this in the butt, or we can keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, making basically slot machines for kids. And, you know, eventually the government's going to crack down and have to make certain practices illegal or regulate other parts of the industry, regulate how we advertise, what games can use certain mechanics. And we don't want that. So please, 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 let's start trying to find alternatives to slot machines and video games. So following this suit, we'll move on to another EU gambling fiasco. And we have Nintendo, Valve, Sony, and EA reported in Norway for breaching European consumer law. So three of the companies are under the same offense. One is under a separate offense. We'll go with the first, the single person. That's Nintendo failed to offer consumers the option to cancel software pre-ordered on the eShop. That's not a big deal, and that's not really a salacious headline. The other ones, Steam Origin and PlayStation Store, were reported for not adhering to the right of withdrawal. So the Norwegian, the right of withdrawal, I'll go through it. The Norwegian Consumer Council, NCC for short, says it expresses 
consent from the consumer, or no, no, it requires express consent from the consumer and his acknowledgement that he thereby loses his right of withdrawal. And the right of withdrawal is an EU law which protects consumers, allowing them to refund the purchase from the moment they made it up until 14 days after receiving the product. So I guess people have to opt in to lose the right to withdraw in Norway if, um, you know, these services don't offer it. So let's say if Steam, if you can't get a refund after 13 days of receiving the game and downloading it, Steam has to make you consent to the fact that you don't have this right on Steam or something. That seems to be my, like, you know, zero law, my most experience with the laws watching Suits episodes. So my zero law <laughs> advice. But, uh, yeah, so that makes perfect sense. Um, all these are probably slaps on the wrist. I don't even see giant number figures for charges and fines. It's kind of just like the EU telling them, hey, do this. So... They're very less, very much less extreme charges compared to the gambling accusations, and probably nothing will come from these. So let's get on to more lawsuits. So we have Quantic Dreams. They're the developers of the new kind of AAA game, Detroit. They sue many French media outlets over reports of toxic work culture. So quickly, I'll go over this. Three pr- French publications wrote stories about how terrible the working conditions are at Quantic Dreams. One excerpt, this is my favorite, included several show, Photoshop images featuring Quantic Dream employee faces on semi-new bodies and Nazi uniforms. Good job, guys. Um, that's terrible. And CEO David Cage didn't deny that any of this happened. Instead, he deflected it and now has decided to invoke his right to sue French publications, even though they have um, interviews and testimony. Um, what's the word, kind of like supporting these facts and the stories that they wrote, apparently in France, you can still just sue news outlets because they're defaming your company or something. So let's everyone add Quantic Dreams and CEO David Cage to the list of people to avoid in the game industry. I should actually keep a running list because we've gone over a lot of people. We should uh, should just have a list update episode where I just rattle off people so you can... um, Go in your Outlook at your company and search for them. (laughs) All right, so next up, this one. This one's kind of like a joke lawsuit. Terminal Reality, they're developers of Blood Rain. For those who don't remember, um, there's nothing to remember because Blood Rain was a terrible game. Um, Terminal Reality is suing Microsoft. Terminal Reality believes a number of Microsoft titles and engines used to create them have infringed on the infernal engine tech patents, specifically in the realm of lighting and shading. Um, First of all, Terminal Reality hasn't done anything in a while. And kind of just reading the lawsuit, this clearly falls, falls under patent troll, like 101. So they basically have lighting and shading techniques which probably they didn't invent anyways, that they just patented it with their um, subpar games. They're like kind of hitting Microsoft up for money, hoping Microsoft pays them off some amount to go away. And the fact that I don't think Terminal Reality has released anything in like five, six, or seven years kind of just adds to the fuel that this is probably a money hit up and maybe the few developers that are even over there just kind of 
want enough money to not work for more years i don't know but this is this is terrible um i'm sure microsoft is just laughing at their army of lawyers that are about to come down on terminal reality and who knows maybe they'll just take them to court and end up with the patent themselves all right let's get out of lawsuits and move on to snapchat snapchat is heading into ar gaming so snapchat releases the snappables platform it's their first foray into ar gaming and the Snap ecosystem. So this follows, for those of you who don't remember, Snappy Inc. acquiring the HTML5 WebGL game engine company Play Canvas. And I think they did that like a little over a month ago, which is pretty surprising. Everyone kind of like called it, including me, that they're going to take this and start um, giving people a platform to release AR games because they already have the AR technology. They just needed a simple uh, cross-platform engine to support their AR technology for people to quickly make games in, and bam, they did it. Um, looking at the initial trailer, these games look terrible, and they look like they take a lot of facial and just all-around general effort to play, which, for those of you who remember the ill-fated motion controllers of the last two console generations, um, anything that requires people to use a lot of effort to play generally fails because no one who plays video games wants to put a lot of effort physical exertion into playing video games um so yeah uh we'll see in six months i expect if there's any success for this ar platform six months after its success instagram will release a new and improved version of instagame's ar platform and probably take all the users like they did with snapchat to begin with so um okay snapchat we'll see what happens next up StarCraft 2 now has premium map stores. So for those who don't know, StarCraft 2, a game released over, what, eight years ago, um, allows people to make custom maps. So Warcraft 3 did this too, and Warcraft 3 is where Dota came from, and then eventually League of Legends, Dota 2, and all those other games. So you can actually make pretty sophisticated games in these custom maps. So Blizzard is now allowing developers to sell these custom StarCraft 2 maps something promised many, many years ago. It was a great idea considering how expensive their how expansive their custom map tool is, but once again, this is for an eight-year-old game, so it has nothing to do with like StarCraft II, to be honest, and this is going to do nothing for StarCraft II in terms of engagement or revenue. However, if we read between the lines, it looks like this is just kind of like a tech and process and legal run for Blizzard's future games. So let's say if they release Diablo 4, maybe they have some kind of custom Diablo 4 dungeon maker where they can sell dungeons on Diablo 4. And honestly, it's a pretty good move for Blizzard. They have a rapid kind of tech-savvy fan base that loves to make games. So why not just outsource all of your like post-game content to them? And finally, we have Warp Portal. That's a game portal that houses Ragnarok Online, for those of you who remember that game. What is that, like 15, 20 years old? Um, Warp Portal closes access to the EU. So I'll just go ahead and sum this up really fast in a TLDR. GDPR is too expensive for Warp Portal and too time-consuming for them to kind of repair for GDPR, whatever Warp Portal was doing with data. They don't even make enough money off their games and don't have enough effort to put towards solving GDPR compliance. So no Ragnarok online for you, Europe. All right, 
Let's kick off some business news. We have Tencent is investing in $15 million to bring Fortnite to China. So Tencent, the proverbial hand in the cookie jar that is the game industry, will drop serious cash to make Fortnite a success in China. So $15 million isn't really a real number. That's just a number they released on press. What basically this means is Tencent, who probably owns all of Fortnite's competition in China anyways, will tell the competitors to take a knee so Epic Games, a company they own 40% stake in, can succeed. Um, Tencent kind of probably just owns all the competition in the Battle Royale market, especially in China. So just the fact that they said $15 million doesn't mean anything. There'll probably only be $15 million for which they'll hand over to these other companies so that they uh, just let Fortnite dominate because they know if they get China competitive with America, competitive with Korea, now you have a kind of multinational um, esport that can grow just like League of Legends did. So next up in business news, and this is a doozy, Congregate Steam competitor Cartridge is now offering deals for indie devs. So for those you don't remember, a while back, Congregate announced Cartridge, their competitor to Steam. Congregate's a web portal that makes terrible games and releases them in the web portal. Steam is the best game um, online store ever to exist. And Congregate thinks they're going to take a cut of Steam's pie. And how are they going to do that? Cartridge will now offer the first $10,000 of revenue 100% to the developer. After that, the developer will receive 90% of the revenue for the next $40,000. And then after that, they'll split. To, they'll go to the industry standard 30-70 split, where developer will get 70%, um, platform will get 30%. That's the same as iOS and Android. So, kind of, I mean, looking at this really, like $10,000, 100% go to the developers. That's nothing to anyone outside of a two-person team. And then the next 40,000, 90% go to the developers. Once again, this is, these are drops in the bucket for, you know, mildly successful double-A PC games. So I don't see this even, like, making anyone blink except for the most thirsty, thrifty, savage indie developers, mainly, like, the one-man lone wolves who pop out a game every three months. Maybe this is, like, they're really excited about this because... You know, if you're popping out four games a year, you're guaranteed what, like, almost 50k to the the first 50k to go to you. You know, you can make a pretty living. Whereas Steam, you're starting off at 70/30. However, you know, no one's going to discover you on cartridge, so you're going to have to do your own advertising to get people on the platform to begin with. And come on, congregate, don't don't attempt to compete with Steam. You know, you're <laughs> you're not going anywhere. So. That's all the kind of main major limelight news. However, I want to really dig deep into the bad news of the week because this is this is pretty crazy. Okay, so let's start off with the bad news and then we'll go into maybe rumors, maybe not rumors on why this bad news happened. So the bad news of the week is layoffs hit the San Diego developers daybreak game. So Early reports say that staff was cut significantly, especially those on the H1Z1 team. Um, For those of you who remember, H1Z1 finally left early access after two years. Um, I think it was $20, and then it quickly resigned to -to free-to-play, pretty much like right away, which is not a good sign, and probably didn't make much money. Uh, Daybreak 
for those of you who don't remember as well, was purchased from Sony, where it was known as SOE, or Sony Online Entertainment, and they're the famous studio that brought us many, many famous MMOs, including EverQuest, one of my favorite, if not my favorite game of all time. So, Daybreak claims the layoffs have nothing to do with our next story, which is Daybreak claims it has nothing to do with the parent company, Columbus Nova, after the U.S. government seizes assets of Columbus Nova. So... This is the crazy story. And, um, you know, I'll kind of just fly through the details as we have them. So, there's three major names you have to remember. Daybreak Games, they're the studio who just laid off a giant amount of staff, and they're not doing very well with H1Z1. Columbus Nova, who may or may not be the parent company of Daybreak Games, and the Renova Group, who's the parent company of Columbus Nova. Okay, now let's get into the story. So basically, a Russian oligarchy owns the Renova Group, okay? A single Russian oligarchy person, I'm not going to mention his name. The Renova Group lists Columbus Nova as a subsidy. Okay, a subsidiary, sorry. Okay, so we have a Renova Group owned by Russian oligarchy. Within all these companies that they own, one of them is Columbus Nova. Okay. Columbus Mova may or may not have purchased Daybreak Games, but what is confirmed is a partner there, Jason Epstein, organized a purchase. Now, this is where it kind of gets weird, okay? And I'll tell you why. So, initially, Daybreak Games claims Columbus Nova purchased them, and maybe that seemed good for publicity, It's a more known entity. Now they claim Jason Epstein purchased them. And why the flip-flop? Well, that's what happened this week. In a political move that's outside the scope of this podcast that I don't want to get into, the U.S. Department of the Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control and the Department of State froze all the assets of a number of Russian oligarchies and all the companies under those oligarchies within U.S. jurisdiction and prohibited Americans from dealing with them. So let's get back to that. Daybreak claims, uh, Daybreak Games originally claimed it was purchased from Sony when Columbus Nova bought SOE back in 2015. Now Daybreak Games claims Jason Epstein is the one that purchased SOE from Sony, not Columbus Nova, where Jason Epstein was a partner for up until 2017. So, I don't remember how much, and I don't know how much um, SOE was bought from Sony, but I don't think a partner at Columbus Nova has enough cash to fund all that up front. So maybe on taxes or on paper, um, Jason Epstein is listed as the sole purchaser, funded by Columbus Nova, but I have to think Columbus Nova is really the one who bought Daybreak Games, not Jason Epstein. And then through Jason Epstein exiting Columbus Nova, there's some kind of shuffle where the he then controlled all of Daybreak Games. So... This, along with recent layoffs, smells the end of Daybreak Games for me because they don't have a tentpole hit, you know, kind of massive hit game, and they're now rewriting previous publications to avoid looking like it was in bed with a Russian oligarchy and funded and propped up by a Russian oligarchy who that oligarchy then had all their assets frozen. Daybreak Games looks like has nowhere to go. And all of this, for me, is really sad news because I grew up on SOE Games, SOE was my adolescence. I played way too much 
EverQuest, EverQuest 2, and all these other games. And hopefully, hopefully everyone at Daybreak Games can find other jobs in San Diego and reach out if your studio in the area is hiring, such as, you know, Rockstar, Psionics, uh, the Activision Studio, um, was it Moon, High Moon Studios, um, any of the mobile studios, Inga, Jam City, reach out, um, see if you can get people from Daybreak Games. I'm sure they're very talented, and this should teach everyone a lesson. Don't get your studio funded or bought by Russian oligarchy. And that's it for this week, <laughs> and I'm Merritt McConnell. Thank you for joining in, and tune in next week for This Week in Games.